Welcome back to Pastorally Correct. I'm Chris McLaughlin, and today we're going to talk about something I've had to learn a lot about, and that is ministry priorities and ministry urgency. And I want to talk about the examples in the local churches of which I've been blessed to be a member as well as a pastor, and how believers who the Lord has placed around me have really encouraged me and challenged me in so many ways to grow. And so today, as, as we approach this topic, we have an opportunity to challenge those around us, to encourage those around us, to have the proper ministry priorities and urgency, and we can learn from one another. I think that's one of the great joys of being part of a church family, is that we get to learn from one another. We get to be built up and encouraged. What a great thing God is doing through us. I want to begin talking uh, about this subject by talking about an example that I had that I've been blessed to have in my life. Uh, several years ago, a decade ago, I pastored in North Dakota, and uh, there were many faithful believers in the church in which I was called to serve, but there's one that really comes to mind as I'm reflecting upon this specific topic, and I'm just going to call her D. D was a woman whose husband had significant health issues. He was bedridden, and he was unable to communicate. And uh, Dee was uh, somebody who had been faithfully married to him for several decades. They were an elderly couple, and uh, she was so faithful at prioritizing the needs of her husband. They had both served the Lord so faithfully in a local church, uh, and then they had become a part of the church that I was called to pastor. He had been a deacon. God had done some really exciting things through him and, and through her together. And at this point in life, he was no longer able to get up out of bed. As I had just described, he was unable to communicate at all. What was fascinating for me, though, was the sort of love that I saw in Dee's example. She was just the embodiment of godly love in a way that I have rarely seen in my life. If I would go into the nursing home early in the morning, she was there next to her husband. She would sit there next to him and she would talk about her day, current events. She would read scripture to him. She'd read either, uh, other books with him. She would pray with him. She would sing. She would sometimes just sit there and hold his hand. One time somebody had asked something or had insinuated, I don't remember any longer, but the subject came up of the question, does, does he know who you are? Because he was you know, nonverbal and he was unable to communicate in, in most ways. And her re response was something along the lines of, I'm not sure, I think he, he does, but, but regardless, I, I know who he is, and he's my, he's my sweetie. She would say that a lot, and she tapped his hand while she said it. And uh, she was somebody who wasn't there just occasionally or, or didn't just demonstrate that sort of sacrificial love periodically day in and day out until the Lord called him home, she was there. One time I got a call that another resident in that nursing home was going to pass away. And so I went there in the evening. It was probably nine o'clock at night or so. And when I came past his room, the light was still on and I peeked my head in and there she was sitting next to her husband. Now, I, I know that there are limitations and not everybody's able to have that sort of time to spend with our loved ones, although we certainly wish 
we were able to do so. But she was able to do so, and she was so faithful and so caring, and she knew that in that season of life, her ministry priority was her husband. And if that meant that she was washing his hair or combing it, if that meant that she was holding his hand, if that meant that she was praying with him, she was talking about current events, sharing what was happening in their family, then so be it. That was what she was there for. In just a little bit, I'm going to talk about how that challenged me in ministry and in my personal life. But before I get there, I want to talk about just a few things that we can learn about ministry priorities from other believers, just as a a general topic. And I'm going to give you a, a few specific things that we can learn about ministry priorities and urgency from other believers. The first is that ministry is a priority. You know that God has uniquely called you to live in this time period. I know there's a lot going on in the world. There are a lot of distractions. There's a lot of heavy things going on in the world around us. And sometimes we can get lulled into either complacency or this general pessimistic attitude of everything's going bad. Woe is me. I wish I had been born at a different time. I wish I was raising kids at a different point in history. Look how difficult things are in the world. Or everything that's happening is is so beyond my control. I'm just going to be apathetic. I'm just going to go through life and allow sort of myself to be tossed back and forth on these waves that culture creates. And so be it. We eat three meals a day, go to bed, wake up, and the next morning we're still alive and we continue with our day. But can I tell you that God has placed you here for more than a nine to five, live for the weekends and hope for a phone upgrade life. God has called you for more than that. God is sovereign over history. He intended for you to be born in this time period. He has an active plan to use you for some specific purpose. And maybe your ministry field is is huge by our standards, by numerical standards, where you speak in front of people or you have some YouTube channel and you talk about your faith in Jesus or you lead some sort of prayer gathering and a lot of people turn out for it. Perhaps from worldly perspective, your ministry is as small as one person. You are a stay-at-home mom, and you have a child or two at home, and you are ministering to them. Or you're somebody who uh, is a, a saint who is taking care of a loved one who is ill. And you say, look at my ministry field, and, I, and I've heard this be expressed from so many people. Well, I don't have a ministry. I used to serve in this way. I used to lead Sunday school. I used to teach. I used to sing on the on the platform. I used to do this, but now because of health issues, I'm not able to even leave the house. I don't have a ministry any longer. Well, you sure do, but your ministry field that God has called you to, it is just as important to the Lord as whatever you did before. God is sovereign. He has a plan for you. You are where you're supposed to be, but he's called you to be faithful there. What does that look like in your unique situation? There's too many possible examples that I could provide that would provide some sort of a framework from which to dive into that in a a broader way. But just think about how God has uniquely gifted you. He has called you to this time. He has a purpose for your life. Have you become apathetic? Have you focused on on other areas and said, you know, I'm not going to really care about what God has called me to do. 
the work of ministry, the work of serving Him. I'm going to trust that to somebody else. No, God has called you uniquely for this time, and there are people that you have been sent to minister to that nobody is going to be able to effectively minister to like you are. And so that's the first one, that ministry is a priority. Now with that, I'm going to give a helpful tip uh, because sometimes people say, well, how, how can I get involved? What does that look like for me? Now, again, there are some people who are unable, there's different life situations we're not able to, to head out. And so I've already described what that could look like. One of the helpful tips that someone gave me years ago, and I, and I don't know where this originated uh, in the beginning, but one of the things that somebody had shared with me many years ago was what they called the three-hour rule. And that was the idea that every believer could give three hours a week to ministry service. Now, think about that for just a minute, three hours. Uh, a baseball game is three hours. A football game is three hours. And if you're like me, you don't watch one. You spend the whole Sunday afternoon watching. So we talk about three hours in the grand scheme of a week. We're not talking about a lot, but it can be great when we maximize it for kingdom purposes. So what, what does that three-hour rule look like? It actually breaks down into three one-hour increments. It was one hour for corporate worship, which means attending a local church, actively participating uh, in that local church. That's one hour of worship. And yes, that one hour, I'm saying that crudely because of course, as, a, as just a generality, because of course our worship services aren't perfectly an hour. So I'm not telling you to get up at the 60 minute mark and walk out the door, but just roughly there's an hour of worship, uh, corporate worship a week. The second would be a one hour of life group commitment or small group, whatever it's called. If you attend uh, our church, then it's the it's a life group, but many churches call them small groups, life groups, uh, things along those uh, community groups, covenant groups, etc. But one hour of getting deeper with other believers, discussing your prayer needs, praying with other people, encouraging them in the faith, diving deeper into the word. I think this is so important. Hearing a sermon is important. I, I love listening to solid biblical preaching, and, and I think that there is a lot of value to that as well as, of course, singing in a corporate setting. But one of the challenges with sitting under preaching is that you are listening to somebody speak for a half an hour to 40 minutes or so, and there's not a lot of opportunity for interaction or question questions being asked in a life group, you get to have a little bit more dialogue. If you have questions, you get to explore them. You get to dive deeper. If there's a specific need uh, to be addressed within that life group, you can explore that. Well, what does God's Word say about this? And how have you learned to understand Scripture in a greater way? How has this passage ministered to you? You can sort of travel down those roads together. And so I encourage you to be part of something like that. And then the third uh, division was one hour of service. Now that one hour of service could look like serving as a helper or a leader in nursery or preschool ministries or with youth or with elderly care ministry or or a hands-on ministry where you're painting houses that need painted or or it could be evangelism. It could also look like one hour of inviting a friend or perhaps somebody who's new to the church out for coffee. And so as a man, I'd invite another man out to a cup of coffee and say, let's sit down and let's, I want to get to know you a little bit. What's your faith journey look like? How has, what did God do to bring you to this place that you are here as part of this church? What are you excited to see God do in the next season? Those are exciting opportunities. And so 
that's a three-hour so-called rule. And of course, I'm not saying that that's like the only the only program or paradigm for service. There's a lot. But if you're somebody who says, I just want to get my foot in the door, so to speak, I just want to begin prioritizing ministry a little bit more, and I'm not sure what that could look like, this is one potential example of what it could look like. One hour of corporate worship, one hour investing in a life group, and one hour of service, of using your giftedness, your talents, and abilities. Uh, the second thing that you can learn uh, uh, regarding ministry priorities and urgency from other believers is that ministry is about who God has created you to be every bit as much as what he is calling you to do. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of times we just think about what people are doing. And as we talk about what some people uh, glorify as ministry, well, it's the person who's on the platform. They're the one doing the real ministry. I'm always going to continue to hammer in the reality that everything we do for the Lord, if you are using the spiritual gifts God has given you, it matters equally to the Lord. If you are serving behind the scenes and you are ministering to one person, it matters just as much to the Lord as the person who's preaching to 10,000 people. It's about glorifying the Lord. It's not about pleasing people or receiving the applause of man. But God has uniquely created us. He's uniquely given us gifts and abilities, interests, and skills that inform us of the specific areas in which we are called to serve. When I was in Bible college, I had some interest in uh, evangelism, in uh, uh, cross-cultural missions. One of the challenges that I ran into that I realized this was not an area that I was going to ultimately be called uh, as a pastor, perhaps to another country, was that I cannot learn languages. And I know that, that allegedly anybody can learn anything if you work hard enough at it. I spent a year working on one foreign language, and I spent a lot of time. I think I can count to eight, and I can say a few <laughs> a few phrases, but that's about it. And I spent a lot of time and some personal money on that and uh, didn't get real far. And I thought, you know, the specific country that I thought maybe I'll end up ministering uh, to that was not a door that the Lord was opening for me. I can't sing also. I can't sing at all. So the Lord hasn't called me as a worship leader. So I might really enjoy sitting under great worship leaders and people who not just sing songs well, but can also stir a congregation's uh, awareness and affection to who God has revealed himself to be in scripture. I love that. That's not a ministry God's calling me to. I don't have the, the spiritual gifts. I don't have the skills. And to be frank, I don't have the interest to to develop them. Uh, even if I I thought that I had some skill, I don't even have an interest to develop it. So that's obviously not where God has called me. But I have a passion for studying God's word, and I love sharing what he re, what he has revealed to be true in His word. And I love having the opportunity to preach. And so I, I know that's an area God has called me. He's He sent people across my path to affirm that calling in my life. Sometimes the gifting that people have are incredibly, they're obvious to us. When I was in Bible college in Boston, there was a, a man in, in, our, uh, in our student body named Troy. And uh, I had launched a inner city 
uh, evangelism or outreach evenings. I think it was Thursday nights. We would take the T, that's the subway. We'd take it into Boston and we'd go share the gospel in places like Boston Common. That's a big park in Boston or places like that. And you just walk them and start talking to people and try to share the gospel. You'd be surprised at how many people in a major city, if you don't live in one, how many people are sort of receptive to people talking to them. I, I thought we'd probably get like chased off a lot, but that did happen sometimes or people would just walk past us, but quite often people would actually sit and talk. And so we would have these sort of conversations. Well, the one semester we went into the city every single Thursday night and we'd share the gospel. And I can tell you how many people I led to Christ. And that number is zero. I organized it. I planned it. I'd give these rah-rah speeches and I didn't lead a single person to Christ. Not one. Troy that semester, I think he led six people to Christ, and he started this Bible study, driving them to church. God did some exciting things for him. He had this gifting of a like a street evangelist. What a wonderful thing. Now, that didn't cause me to be bitter. It didn't cause me to say, woe is me, and I organized this, and you should have allowed me to be. No, I had the opportunity to rejoice in what God was doing in my brother in Christ and through him for his glory. And so that's a wonderful thing. We can see sometimes just by standing back and watching somebody, we see what God does through people's lives. And this is, again, something that's so exciting about being part of a local church. We get to see the wonderful ways God moves through somebody and we can celebrate that. We should never be jealous. We should never be envious. We shouldn't covet somebody's giftedness. Again, remembering that your gifting matters just as much to the Lord because it's about glorifying him. That's what it's ultimately about. But, you know, sometimes people can see things in in us. They can see our unique calling. And maybe we don't always see it. Or perhaps we feel like it's, it's a pride issue to say, well, I'm good at this or I'm called to do this. It's not. If God has given you a gift, he expects you to exercise it. To sit on that is actually to rob God of the gift that he has given you. But the people around us sometimes can speak into our lives. And so if you're somebody who says, well, I see the gifting in other people's lives and I see that it's obvious. Well, that should set off sort of a light in our minds that says, wait a minute, maybe there are people around us who see the same sort of gifting in us or they are able to distinguish what sort of gifting God has given us. And so we should have people around us that know us well enough that they can speak truth into our lives and they can help us to discover that thing that God has called us to so that we can faithfully walk in it. The third and and final a um, thing that we can learn about ministry priorities and urgency from other believers is that we can be challenged to assess our ministry priorities and and apathy. And so I frame that positively and negatively there. I provided uh, two different uh, outcomes or, or sort of uh, avenues that we might find ourselves exploring our ministry priorities and urgency. When we see other people Sometimes we might become frustrated because we see that there are needs in ministry and maybe nobody's stepping up to those. I, I don't know how many church members I've talked to through the years who say, well, I'm doing this because nobody else would do it. And so we become frustrated. Well, that's a, a sign for us, one, that, that maybe there's a need within a church to perhaps encourage people and help develop people who can serve in those sort of ways. Uh, it challenges us to not become apathetic, to say, I'm going to dive in deeper. Sometimes we have examples for us of people who are more committed than ourselves, and we see their examples, and that should stir our desire and our interest to 
use the gifting God has given us in a different way. I go back to that example of the woman who sat with her husband daily, uh, D. And as I reflect back upon her example, there was something very interesting about that period in my ministry life. That church was the first church I served as a full-time pastor. And uh, the church did not put undue burdens or expectations on me. They treated me wonderfully. But, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself and a lot of expectations about myself in ministry. And I felt like I had to prove it, that I had to prove everything. And so that meant that I needed to not have any boundaries at all regarding my personal time, my availability, that if somebody called, somebody needed me, I would run out the door right away. It didn't matter what was happening in my household. It didn't matter what my family needed. My ministry priority was the church because I needed to prove myself. What's the problem there? Well, God did call me there as the lead pastor, but God also called me to be a husband to my wife and a father to my children. And in that season, as I was considering my ministry priorities, I was not putting my family at the place they needed to be on my ministry priorities. And I'm so grateful to the Lord that he had people who came across my path who encouraged me, who challenged me, who held me accountable. And I'm not going to say that I always do everything perfectly. Uh, that would just be a lie. But I can tell you that I've grown in such a way because of what God has done and what he's done in sending examples across my path. At that time period where I was doing things that were sinful because I was not prioritizing my my core ministry priority, which was my, my home life, my role as a husband and as a father. Because of that, in that time period, God in his mercy and his goodness, he had this woman in front of me demonstrating this is what it means to faithfully love my spouse. This is what it means to be a servant of the Lord. There are lots of other things I could be doing right now, but this is my chief priority. And I saw that example day in and day out, and I am so thick-headed that it took like a year and a half, two years before it finally got into my brain and then ultimately into my heart. We have people who are examples for us, who, who have a proper balance in their lives and ministry priorities. People who are urgent in their exercising their gifts. People say, I'm not going to put that off until you know a year from now. I'm not going to wait to use the gifting God has given me till like I retire. I've heard people say that. I'm called to preach or I'm called to do this, but I'll do that when I retire. Well, I hope we live that long. But you have today to be faithful. If God's called you, then walk towards that. Exercise the gift that God has given you. When we see somebody who's fully sold out for the Lord, aren't we more excited? Aren't we challenged to faithfully serve him? We want to have more of that. We want to see God glorified increasingly through our lives. And so, you know, what's fascinating, somebody like D, we should desire to be the sort of believer who challenges and encourages others. If we have believers like that in our lives, we should return thanks to God and to them. We should affirm people in their service for the Lord and say, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I don't know if people tell you this, but your example has challenged me in such a profound way. It's helped me to be more urgent in using the gifting God has given me. It has helped me to understand my ministry priorities in a better way. And I want to faithfully follow Jesus Christ like you do. That's the desire that we ought to have in our lives. 
I look forward uh, to continuing to talk about ministry, uh, priorities, needs, and even some contemporary headlines next week uh, when we revisit uh, this podcast. May the Lord bless you. Mm-hmm.